Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello. Welcome to 5 by 5 Before we start, make sure that you've listened or watched or read any of the things we're about to discuss in the podcast. Because if you haven't, everything's about to get spoiled for you because we go into lots and lots of spoilers so if you want to watch these films read what we're talking about if it's a comic or listen to music that we're discussing for god's sake stop listening to this go off read listen watch what we're talking about and then come back if you don't mind it being spoiled carry on if you've already seen it carry on this will be our own discussions so you can listen to what we're rambling about there are own opinions so you might not agree and if you don't agree that's completely cool but for god's sake don't write in angry to us because let's be fair opinions are like ourselves we all have them and some of them pretty much stink enjoy the show switch to dcs ranging 240 nominal to profile we're in the fight five by five when I was a little bitty boy, my grandmother bought me a cute little toy. Silver bells hanging on a string. She told me it was my ding-a-ling-a-ling. Oh, my ding-a-ling, my And welcome to the portal into the netherworld that is known as Five by Five. I am your host, the deceased Peter O'Toole. <laughs> and with me, as always, is Mitt, I think. You, yeah, I, I thought it was a bit of a chill in the room and then Peter O'Toole turned up. That was weird. It was weird, wasn't it? It was He's strange. Gone now. He just walked out. Just left. <laughs> Walked came into in, my kids' room. Came in, made an introduction on what he assumed was a microphone. I don't know how he knew it was. He just vanished. And he left. He just left. I saw his ghost like trying to trail off into Skylar's room. Yeah. Should be something I should be I'll worried be about. But It'll if Portal taught me anything, it's that ghosts only like to scare children, yep. not touch them. I, I'm sure he's benevolent. <clears throat> well, well, just assume he is. Yeah, and he seemed like a nice chap when he was yeah, alive. So yeah, I don't yeah. think he'd be any harm. Maybe he's just reading the nice stories in that marvellous voice of his. Look, wonderful, rich tone. Yeah. Brilliant. So, oh, sorry. Yes, this is the we end digress. of our alien <laughs> session. If you've made it this far, fair play to you. Um, if you've made it this far, we've literally got to Alien Covenant. We're not doing Alien versus Predator films. Stop that, because they're well, gash, pants pie. Yes. So we were going to talk about uh, Covenant. Because we've actually we've gone past Prometheus, and by the time you've heard this uh, podcast, it has long since been at the cinema, and it's uh, probably about to go into DVD, and it'll probably actually be on DVD. By, by the time, time you actually listen to this, yeah, it'll probably be approaching its home release. So, yeah. uh, if you didn't see it in the cinema, this is kind of like um, our two cents worth, and 
You can yeah. decide whether you want to watch it or not. Yeah. Um, it goes without saying, there are going to be spoilers. Big, big, big old spoilers yeah. about the film. Uh, it wouldn't be advisable to listen on if you haven't seen it or if you don't care. Yeah, fine, listen. Carry on. Why not? You know, it's all a party. We're not here to tell you what to do. Yeah. But, you know. You're an adult. Yeah, exactly. Are you an adult? If you're not, don't what are you tell doing the listening? police. You shouldn't be listening. Don't what were you doing? You're just, Jesus. God. Christ, kids. kids. today. So, uh, yeah. So, mid... Tell us about Alien Covenant. What, you want like a, a synopsis? Should we go for the synopsis of the film or should we talk about its development? Um, I don't know. I think with this one, it's playing nice and loose. So let's give let's give people an actual review of the film. Right. Okay, cool. Right, so basically, um, we've got the development. Uh, it's... It's the sequel. It's it's the sequel to Prometheus. So it's Prometheus Two: Alien Five or Minus One. The way I look at it is, <laughs> it's the second film in a second trilogy, as much as I understand. Which is the prequel to, to the... the first three. Imagine it like Star Wars. They've basically just done it in the wrong order. Which, let's be fair, would explain a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, right, uh, okay, this is not going to be a slam fest because there are a lot of people that like to slam this film. Yeah. I actually, uh, uh, before we start, I will say, I did enjoy it. I mm. did enjoy it. I preferred it over Prometheus, in fact. I, I may be a little more critical on this one, but it, it won't be anything it doesn't deserve. Yes, in fairness, it does lend itself to criticism quite heavily. Yeah. Um, right, so, Prometheus does pretty well. It did a budget, it was a budget of 130 mil, approximately, uh, the box office of Prometheus ended at around about four hundred and three point four million. Uh, factoring in the Blu-ray, these are the domestic uh, Blu-ray and DVD sales, which worked out about forty-three point to forty-four point something million. Mm. Um, so we're looking at around about four hundred forty-six to four hundred forty-seven million dollars. This film made Prometheus made. So that's that. You know, that's nothing to be sniffed at. Yes, it had a high production cost, and yeah, you got to factor in the cost of the cinemas and and everything else. But I think ultimately, this film probably, you know, it did make money. It made money for Fox and the it, it, it was all all the Alien films have made box. They've made profit. Mm. It's just box doesn't always quantify itself to quality. Exactly. Um, what what we have here is the fact that after Prometheus came out. There was it divided. I would say Prometheus was quite divisive for the fans. Um, it was, yeah. Well, uh, we've already had this conversation. Mm. I mean, we're, we're both in two completely different places on that film. Yeah, so. very much so. And and you know, it's cool. Variety is the spice of life mm. and whatnot. Um, and and basically, uh, from from where it came with the fans, uh, there were a lot of fans going, "What the hell happened? Why was this going on the way it was going?" Um, Fox were listening going oh we don't want a situation where this could potentially hurt any future stuff but obviously we've gotten the right place because we've made money uh, so they they do fairly well-ish uh, critically as well so the critics didn't like rip apart Prometheus it far, it did far better than most films to be honest with you well yeah I mean I suppose you know, before that it was Alien 3 and that got absolutely mauled so anything was going to be mm. well you know, Alien Resurrection Resurrection I'm talking yeah. crap aren't I even you like that, to blank that film, don't you? I, well, yeah, we, we, we've had this conversation. As far as I'm concerned, that's or a, did we? That's a, <laughs> an absolute blight on the series. That's probably why I just blanked that out there. It's just automatic, you know. But yeah, I mean, 
they, they didn't crit three and resurrection didn't fare well critically. No, no. So no. anything was going to be from the critical standpoint of people watching uh, an improvement. But um, I don't necessarily agree with that. I like Alien Three. I didn't like Resurrection. Um, Alien Three, I think, is a masterpiece. Alien Resurrection is poo poo. It is poo. It is poo poo. It's not good. And mm. um, Prometheus was good. It wasn't brilliant, but of course, it made the box. So there was going to be another film, which mm. leads us up to now. It leads us up to Alien Covenant. So, go for it. Well, I'll start by saying I think. It is a much better film than Prometheus. Good man. Um, <laughs> I agree. It, it, is, it, it is much better than Prometheus. It's it's more rounded. Prometheus, um, it got very philosophical and it sort of forgot it's an alien film. And then threw it in at the end and went, shit, yeah. better do something it, with a face hook or something. It kind of forgot all the, the action, really, and the, the thrills that make an alien film what it is. Mm. Um, that's really what was missing from Prometheus, um, but I suppose you've got to allow it the fact that Prometheus was setting the stage story-wise for what was to come in Covenant. So and it does, it does. It can it can be forgiven in that respect, I think. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, out of the gate, it is a better film, and I think that's because Prometheus did the job of setting Covenant up quite well. Yeah. I will, I will say that. I will definitely say that. And also, we don't have Damon Lindelof or whatever his, Lindof or whatever his name is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I certainly think that um, Covenant is the strongest addition to the series since Alien 3. It's mm. without a doubt, I think. Yeah, really, I, I think you're right there. I do, I do agree. Um, yeah, like Fox... Fox greenlights the sequel, but what they were after when they, they started making this, they were like, right, what works with Prometheus? And they were like, well, what's left? So they kind of went, well, Naomi Rapace is about, so we can grab her. Obviously, we want Ridley Scott back because regardless of what anybody might have said negatively about Prometheus, it made bank, so we're okay. And of course, the what was the biggest thing that pretty much united everybody about Prometheus? Michael, Michael Fassbender, yeah. yeah. They were like, David, why did you not make the film all about... And I was saying this before, make the whole film about David. He was brilliant in Prometheus. Mm-hmm. So um, they go they go for that. Uh, there's there's a bit of a sense of studio involvement with this one again, I think. Only because... Yeah. Only because... Uh, at one point, Scott was saying, no, the beast is done. It's cooked. Uh, and we're yeah. not going to do it anymore. And he, then, he did a very abrupt about turn on that, didn't he? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, what's on all the advertising? The Xenomorph, or at least the Protomorph. Um, so it's all over the marketing and stuff. And uh, you've got Dante uh, Harper. He starts writing and he gets the initial screenplay done. And uh, then there's a major rewrite by John Logan. So the major rewrite makes me think, what were the original story beats? Because I think I think it would be a long time before we find this out for, for real. It's always years down the line. Yeah. If there's any been any kind of major upset, you don't find out about it till a good 10, 15, 20 years later. And yes. Then it all comes out of the woodwork, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I think I think um, Logan, when he comes on to rewrite it, he's tasked, he's actually told, look, combine, combine Prome- elements of Prometheus with Alien. So obviously Fox going, well, the fans want the alien and they don't want that weird thing at the end of the Deacon or whatever it's called. at the end. Yeah, of the yeah. They want 
an actual alien. So, uh, so that's, and I think it's why this film does feel tonally, and we'll get to that later. Uh, tonally, feels like two different films uh, in places. Um, so yeah, it starts off as uh, Alien Paradise Lost. Do you know why? That was the original. That was the, that was the original film. title, yeah, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. What? Oh, yeah, no. Well, apparently, no, was, they, they, they wanted it for like a biblical <laughs> reference, like oh, Paradise right. Lost. And then the the studio went, no, no, we're not doing that. You do something else. So they called it the Covenant, which, um, and it's totally gone out of my head now. But the Covenant, the name of the ship, has biblical. Um, the Ark of the Covenant. Well, it has connotations to everything. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Rapace, Rapace gets replaced. Repa- replace Rapace. So they get rid of her. I was a bit confused what happened there because she was out and then she was back in again. I mean, and then she's kind of out and in. Yeah, I'll get to that later as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's on my list a little bit later on. Yeah, so I don't think we'll ever find out the extent of the back uh, bath, uh, bathroom back room politics of yeah. the studio, but I'm absolutely positive something was going on in the background and definitely something we'll mention later on. Uh, so, so that was pretty good. There was more practical stuff uh, in terms of uh, performance and effects. So they got more people involved because they were like, yeah. Tom, Tom was it? Was Tom Woodruff involved again? I don't know, but I know that they they said that a lot of the criticism was like, "What was that CGI weird thing at the end of Prometheus?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, all that, and people were getting cross about it. So they were like, "Well, I think this was it. at the point where Ridley Scott was still adamant, nope." It's not coming back. That's what you're getting. <laughs> look at that. Yeah, look at that. It's weird. It's got a weird head, isn't it? It's, it's a bit like it, isn't it? Look at his head. It's all smooth and pointy. <laughs> ah, now what happens while this film is being made? There's a big announcement. Oh, Alien 5. Yeah. The film that people actually wanted more. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that... Didn't point, really do it any favours, did it, that Didn't do it any favours. I think that's done the knees of this film, you know? It, it it has because once you watch Covenant and you know what may have been, I don't know. Some people are probably gonna be wanting what could have been. And I, mm. I imagine like quite listen to quite a few people online. They that they were. Oh man, people were gonna kill Ridley Scott again. More <laughs> on that getting, later. Yeah, <laughs> there was some very strong wording um, leveled at the decision to we were scrap at, Alien Five, and we were at a con. In Wrexham, mm. in the Michael Bean um, discussion. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And he flat out, straight up said when somebody mentioned Alien Five, not happening. And when somebody went, why? He said two words: Ridley Scott. Yeah, that was straight from the man's mouth, because he obviously knew what was going on in the background of the politics. He yeah. was involved with stuff, so he knew. He knew, and we heard this. Months before it was officially actually yeah, yeah. said by no, Ridley Scott. It, it, before there was like an official um, Alien 5 is cancelled announcement, it came out of Michael Bean's mouth at Rex and Comic Con, mm-hmm. um, which was a bit of an eye opener. Well, we, we, I, I kind of took it with a pinch of salt when he said it, but then of course, months later, we do get the announcement that Alien 5 is indeed shit canned or shelved or whatever's going on with it. Mm. Um, now, who knows? It might be coming back. <laughs> We don't know. Well, well <laughs> ju- judging by the performance of the film, um, dear <laughs> listeners, unfortunately, at the time of recording, I think the film cost 90 million to make mm. or something like that, close, you know, something like that. 
and uh, it's made two hundred and thirty-seven million. It's still making office. profit. There's still going to be another film. Oh, the, yeah, the, it's 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 pretty tight though. It's not like Prometheus levels of, of, of it, money. It's it's still made profit. If if they the way any studio exec looks at it is if, if the film is making profit, particularly if it, if it's a sequel, they'll just keep. But there's a golden rule when it comes eye, to box office, though. There's a few things people never take into consideration. When it comes to making a film, it's normally the production budget of the film, double that. So whatever it is, say 90 million, you double that, that's mm. your marketing. Uh, yeah. And then, whatever the box office return that comes in, some of that, well, you've got to remember, a wadge of that is going into the back, uh, back burners of distributors and out the back of... Um, Cinema chains. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so where they make money is when they're making product, they're producing the films. They get lots of different kind of sponsorship, and and they kind of rally the cash there. So they've got fallbacks, and and obviously they they make money off the back of films. So once it's been on DVD for a few years, that's how they kind of it becomes like a back burner, as it were. Um, so yeah. So tell us, tell us then, what tell us all about this film. Well, it's um. Continuing, what's the space of time between Prometheus and this? Isn't it like so ten? It's ten years. It's ten years, wasn't ten it? Ten years since they the doomed expedition of the Prometheus. It's basically it's ten years later. The Prometheus was um, declared a failed mission. The, the <laughs> oh, ship, shit. the ship disappeared. <laughs> all contact with the crew was lost. The, the the chairman of the company, of the company that funded the thing, is gone. He's he's, he's gone somewhere. No one knows where. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sure he's fine. Um, it, it's ten years later, and basically, um, there's another mission sent out by Wayland Utani. Now they've been bought out. Mm. They are Wayland Utani now. Yeah, aren't they? there's yeah. been a merger. While there was a merger in ten years. In those ten years, so they're now the company as we know them, mm. and um, they're on a mission out into the far reaches of space um, to colonize the, in a ship called the Covenant, which is basically a small crew and uh, a complement of like. 2,000 colonists in deep sleep being transported to a planet. So, yeah. When we get a uh, an interruption in their journey, don't we? Oh, yes. Um, there's, there's a solar storm uh, while they're charging. I thought this was quite cool. Um, the ship has solar sails they use to recharge the systems while everybody's in their little cryostasis things. And they have a synthetic on board, as is company policy. Walter. Who is played by? Michael Fassbender again. So he's back, but as Walter. So he's the same, same similar model, but he's the upgrade. He's the upgrade. He's like the, the same kind of model, but 10 years later. Yeah. So we have Walter, and he's keeping an eye on the crew of the Covenant. Um, he's recharging the ship when there is a massive solar flare uh, or explosion or whatever. There's an event uh, that uh, the aftermath they can't detect just comes out of nowhere and it ruptures part of the ship and it causes a lot of system failures and it causes the crew to be emergency jettisoned out of their pods to wake up and you know get so I'm sorry no Walter tells them tells yeah. mother uh, to the the ship's computer to um, to jettison the crew uh, out so they can they can actually fix the ship and and save the colonists so they do that and in, in amongst the chaos they lose a, a bunch of people because of the damage to the ship uh, the systems the captain of the ship is fried alive in his tube 
right in front of his loving wife, which was nice. <laughs> uh, played by, um, may as well not have even done it, James Franco. That was yeah. a pointless fucking yeah. cameo. That, 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 that's coming up a little later as well in, <laughs> in some points I have on the film. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's a fairly... It's a fairly basic setup for the story of the film. I mean, it, it, it's basically positioning people into a place where the company can carry out their nefarious plans once again. Mm, they're nefarious. <laughs> so I'm pouring a beer. Sorry if you're hearing glug, it. Glug, 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 glug. And um, yeah, it's basically just a, another way to impregnate people, isn't it? Basically, this this whole. Things getting a bit rapey again. Have you noticed that? Well, that do you like impregnating that, that, that company wants people impregnated, doesn't it? Well, so. they've even got a ship full of fetuses. Yeah. In a nice little attachy kind of yes, case, yes. little yeah, yeah. like drawer, which is always nice. So look. yeah, the the, the 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 setup's pretty standard, really. Um, but it's it, it carries itself well. I mean, it's not perfect. I'd go in as far as to say there's some definite pacing issues with the film. Oh, yeah. it, it goes to something you said about it's a very much a film of two tones. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and it's almost like um, you know. Do you know when you get two types of food and they put it together and you're like that wouldn't, shouldn't have worked, but it's great. This is one where you've got two flavors that should work together, like chocolate and strawberry, and yet kind of don't. And I think that's the problem with uh, with Covenant. I think that's in a nutshell the problem. Uh, the problem, the two tones uh, contrast quite badly, and because mm. of that, right? <clears throat> Again, with this film, we have the syndrome that we had with uh, Prometheus. The problem we had there, which was very very deep thinking, thinking person's science fiction film. Not a problem. Brilliant. I like that. We likes that. However, you, the problem is if you're going to do a thinking person's philosophical film, you better damn well bring your A game because if you don't, you people are going to rip you a new one. The hell out of it. And that's what has happened exactly here. What happened, yeah. Because you basically put the standard tropes of a horror film and a traditional alien film and you mix them with like. Let's talk about the reason of why we're here. So, which is kind of like the anti-alien, because the alien's about death. We're talking about life with uh, with things like Prometheus, and they put that into this, and uh, I don't think it gels very well. No. And it really becomes evident. I think the first half of that film is amazing. When you're on the crew, you see Walter, the crew interacting with one another, uh, even the bit where they get a transmission with the John Denver song, uh, but it's being sung by Shaw. Didn't yeah, Pega for a John Denver fan, really, which is quite strange. <laughs> I don't know why she would be singing this song and why it would come out and she would send it via a emergency distress thing. None of that's answered. Uh, it gets picked up by Tennessee, who I love Danny McBride. It was really nice to see Danny McBride in a role that wasn't a comedy role. Yeah. Have you ever seen Vice Principals? No. Fucking outstanding. If you want to watch a series, a comedy show, oh, right, yeah. where you've got a man being a dick, and you're like, oh, it's Danny McBride being a dick. Yeah. Yeah, we've not seen that you know, <laughs> before. But then actually see him change as a character, a bit like Eastbound and Down, but yeah. better. Oh, right. And I, I don't get me wrong, I love Eastbound and Down, but 
God, I loved Vice Principals. That Walter Goggins in as well. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's really, really good. Um, so it's nice to see him come back into an acting role. Uh, that, that's exactly yeah. what that's exactly what it was though. It yeah. was an acting, an acting role, role, wasn't yeah. it? It, it? It was a proper role. It wasn't just like, oh, this guy's gonna be the comic relief. Let's he put really is Danny McBride in it. It's, mm. it's a very straight role. It's nice, and you know, yeah. reminded me of Brett and Parker. It was. It, it, I I think that role was an amalgamation of those two characters, but it didn't feel copied. Copied. No. It didn't feel like it was a facsimile of those characters. It felt. Yeah. It. It, it felt natural. It wasn't forced. Strangely, much in the same way that Fastbender in the last film was kind of bulletproof because everybody was like, why did we not have all Fastbender? In this, people are going, God, I really like Tennessee. Danny McBride's ace. Mm. He's the only one that people seem to be kind of like, yep, yeah, he was ace. Yeah. <laughs> like, I get, uh, wow. F- f- well, you know, uh, everyone bigs at Michael Fassbender and he is great in this film. And there, there is something round about the halfway to three quarters point that completely changes the feel and dynamic of the film mm. at that point. Completely ruins it. It's not his fault. It's what he has to work with. Yeah, but, it's not Fassbender's fault. I will say that. Um. It was a very, very poor choice on part of. Um, well, I don't know if it's a, di- a director's what, decision. Whoever or... decided that was creative. Ultimately, yeah. the director's the person who goes, yep, let's keep it. And I think really Scott yeah. fucked up with that, the, the, and, that decision. Uh, well, well, I'll mention it a little later on. Um, but. Um, yeah, I'm not as big up this time on yeah. uh, Fastbender as I was in the last film. He is very good up to a point, but it does change, and it unfortunately lets the rest yeah. of the film down for me. Uh, and and I, I, you know what? That was my big, my big issue as well. Yeah, and that's really unfortunate because Fastbender was amazing in the last <coughs> film. Again, the my only criticism of Fastbender in Prometheus would have been that his character has incredibly mixed kind of what's the motivations they're very mixed mm. they're not entirely clear all the time um however in this one I, I, the weird thing was the weird reset he gets as being walter yeah i loved walter i thought what a great character what yeah. an interesting great character he is brilliant at doing that it's when david comes in that's where Sin- to me it falls down. <laughs> sinister, sinister, homoerotic David. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. I <laughs> we'll mean, get to that. I'm not going to go there yeah, yet, but so, we will get to it. So the the crew of the Covenant decide to do something very, very silly. They listen to John Denver and go, "Hey, let's follow that song to that planet we've never discovered before." Um, I get right now. There's a lot of criticism about this point. A lot of people are going, "Why did they do that?" When it's they an alien film. They it. always do that. <laughs> I will argue though, the rationale. I don't think the rationale's too un- understandable, if that makes an, uh, yeah. any sense. Uh, ironically, saying that, um, I think you can relate to it because the people that are saying um, captain, because the new captain, who's a man of faith, and they really interesting idea. They're going to go there. No, they kind of touch upon it and then just drop it, uh, which I find really weird. Incidentally, B- Billy Crudup, really good in this film. Yeah, fantastic. I loved. I loved him. He was yeah. Great. Uh, 
the main in, leads in, I thought were good. Inserting that character, I think, was a it was an interesting choice. It, it certainly lended a different dynamic because it wasn't necessarily a predictable one. Mm, I liked him. I, I wouldn't have him. seen it come in, and uh, you know, he, he was a welcome addition. I thought. Um, my what I find absolutely like credible to an extent is the fact you've got crew members after this major event where so they literally saw somebody the captain of the ship burn alive in a pod and the one thing i think is quite interesting is that all the people on the covenant because they're colonists they're partners so so everybody has a, a like a love interest because they're all they're all partners they're all in relationships so they're all well, it, like married couples yeah, and... it, 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 well we said this in previous pods but it was a uh... It was a device they were going to use in the original Alien film, wasn't it? Yeah, and it's it's a good. I yeah. think it's a good device. I think it works. It's, yeah. it's a it's a good idea, um, and and yeah, and like basically, when everybody's going, I don't want to go back in those pods. Fuck that! You what? We've got a couple of months. We can make it without going back into those pods again. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. So I I understand that, and a lot of people have been crit- uh, critical about that. I even criticise that just, uh, and I see why people criticise it, but I will let it off lightly because. Of the fact that I can understand the rationale between why you wouldn't want to go back in a pod <laughs> after seeing someone literally burn you know, alive, burning yeah. up in front of you, Captain Crispy. It it would make you a little twitchy, wouldn't it? Yeah. It would make yeah. your your bum dance a bit in your yeah. pants. Yeah. <laughs> so sorry, sorry, dude. Carry on. You were saying. Um. So yeah, I mean. It's there are a lot of positives to the film. There are a lot of positives because it it's going to be it's it's now going to seem going forward that we're getting really down on this film. We're not, but it is important to have both sides of the story. Yes, I agree. There are a lot of positives in it. There's um the story's handled well. The actors they're great. Mm. Uh, it's beautiful. It looks awesome. Oh man, yeah. I thought it looked better than Prometheus. Yeah, it's gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. We got the Xeno back, so everyone's happy. Yes. Also, we think <laughs> <laughs> because um, I enjoyed it, but for me, it's still not there in terms of quality. Right. What the franchise should be. Why? It's, it's it's like you're saying yourself there's a, it's a disjoin there and it, with that disjoin comes a disconnect and you that's lose, the problem it you throws, throws you doesn't it, it halfway does. through that film it kicks you out and you're like what yeah. the fuck yeah <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of like you just walked in on yourself yeah yeah oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> why would you do that there's people here what yeah um yeah, it, it, I don't know. It just didn't sit right for me, personally. But um, I love the first it, part of this film. I love well, all the stuff it. I mean, leading up to the planet. There's some really good stuff in this film. And I initially came out of Covenant with very positive opinions on the film. I voiced it myself on my blog. Mm. And those feelings over time have dampened, really. I for want of a better word. Right. Sometimes more I, things start to bug me about it as time passes. I, I agree with that. There's sometimes there are films you can see and you will instantly go, I fucking hate that, and go back to it and go, actually that wasn't so bad. Yeah. When your instant gut reaction sometimes is heightened 
for whatever reason. Yeah. I walked out of, oh my God, I can't even believe I'm admitting this. X-Men, The Last Stand. Yeah. X-Men 3. Yeah. Right? Going, now that's how you make an X-Men film. I actually really? said those words, hand up in the in the air. That's interesting. And yeah, I I, I, I look I, back. I, and I, I go, suddenly have a different opinion of the man I podcast with. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now I'm like, why would I think that? The film's trash. That's crazy. Why would why would anybody think that? It's a complete wank. And I'm and I'm not a massive fan of the X Men films, so maybe it was because I wasn't a big fan in the first place. I went, oh, at least they had action. And uh, uh, I watched Die Another Day. I'm a huge Bond fan, mm. uh, as Midi will be able to tell you. And uh, yeah, I walk. I I'll be honest with you. My most hated film is Die Another Day. Mm. Not anymore. Not anymore. Uh, that's another podcast though. But I walked <laughs> out of uh, Die Another Day going. It was, I mean, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't. I mean, there was that. And then my mates no, were going, no, no, but there was an invisible car, Jones. Uh, and I was like, uh, yeah, but do you know but, what it is though? Do you know what it is? Because I want it you to be good. You want it to be good. That's exactly. I walked out of Attack of the Clowns. I mean, Attack of the Clowns. <laughs> And I did exactly the same you thing. You want so well to not have to admit that it was a big pile of poo. Yes. And unfortunately, you can put a top hat and a monocle on a turd, but it doesn't make it... Captain Peanut. Exactly. Mr. Peanut or whatever his I, name is. I think there was like a worthy analogy going on there, but it just it kind fell of, apart. It escaped me. M- much like X-Men 3. It got up, sprouted <laughs> legs and ran off and ran into a wall or something. So yeah, I, I know I agree. And, and sometimes you want them to, you love them so much. Yeah. And I mean, Covenant, I would agree. A turd's a turd at the end yeah, of the day. But I, I mean, that's not to say Covenant is it that bad. It no, isn't that bad. It isn't that bad. But for the analogy of saying... You really want this film to be cool. I think that kind of explains my initial feelings of it and how they have slightly changed with time. Yes, I think. And I think this is something uh, a um, thesis of how people view films that we'll probably tread upon many times upon this podcast. Uh, if I'm honest, with with the people's reactions to films at the time and looking back and yeah. things like that. I mean, I think one one of my pet peeves with it is. At the end of Prometheus, as you've pointed out many times, there are massive plot holes. Fuck me, yes. Swiss and, cheese. But And you, you can get around that by going, it's fine, we know there's going to be another film, they'll be explained. Mm-hmm. Are they buggery? Oh, man. <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's kind of like Ridley Scott going, ah, but there's going to be more. I'll explain some more later. Trust me, it's coming. And this is where they it's land like... on the planet. Because <laughs> they land on the planet. They land on the planet because they're like, well, we need to get here because we don't want to cook alive again. And let's see this because this is inhabitable. And this is where this John Denver song came from and, and everything else. And they land there and everything's fucking dead. <laughs> like all the organic life other than um, sort of uh, plant life is is dead. There are no birds or anything like that. And they're like, oh, there's wheat. We planted it and all this kind of stuff. And they start checking things out. And then they find the ship from Prometheus. And they find um, Naomi Shaw's... Uh, Naomi Shaw's? Naomi Rapace's, uh, Elizabeth Shaw's dog tags. Yeah. Uh, and then they're like, oh, what the hell? And they find her, like, spaceship uniform yeah. and stuff like that. And they're like, what the hell's going on there then? And spores start sp- spaffing off in people's faces and whatnot. Well, yeah, that's where we start to wade into MacGuffin territory, isn't oh, it? Oh, fuck. Just... I have a major problem with Here this. Here we go. Narrative device. La, 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 la. Move the story <sighs> along. So, 
anybody that watched Prometheus, it, 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 it gets a bit lazy at that yeah. point, doesn't it? It's just like any anybody who's watched Prometheus know that they they have this MacGuffin, this black goo that changes biological matter for whatever reason, um, and it's clearly done something to the plant life, right? And there's these spores, and they fart out this weird black dust onto two of the crew members. And uh, one of them starts getting a bit funky and getting a bit ill. So they, the one person takes them back to the the, the, the scout ship, uh, which has landed on the planet, uh, while the rest of the Covenant is out in orbit uh, protecting everybody else and, uh, and you know, so making sure it's safe to land first. So this person starts going white and starts spasming. And, and before that, there's this fucking effect that I despise. The dust... This dust, this spore fires out, almost becomes sentient. And it they I don't know who thought this was a good idea. It was stupid. They should never have done this. You've got dust floating around in air, and it kind of it forms into almost like a living kind of dust cloud that kind of goes backwards and forwards and goes, Ooh, ooh, ooh. there's an ear hole. And then <laughs> Orifice. <Yeah>. Yes. <laughs> exactly. As Yosa would say, yeah. Mm. He loves orifices. Inside you, I insert. Uh, so yeah, so basically, <laughs> so so yeah, that this this dust goes in this guy's ear, and uh, he's having a ciggy because as most people do uh, when they're about to uh, fucking go on a planet, why not? Um, right, these are all people as well. I, I will say from the, this moment onwards. Uh, Every time I criticised anybody in Prometheus for doing dumbass stuff, I can apply it, pretty much apply it to Covenant. I, I, it has to be said. It's, it's like no massive lessons have been learned, have they? No. Whoever wrote it um, really should have thought, hang on, the people are going to go, why did they do that? Going on an alien planet they've never surveyed without any kind of breathing apparatus. At least the people in the Prometheus had the helmets. Don't be wrong... These scientists would have been better than the ones in the Covenant and whatnot. I understand that. And I also understand that the crew of the Prometheus should have known better. But they were all wankers as well, let's be fair. <laughs> um, and these people go in unprepared. Uh, they're walking around, breathing the atmosphere, not knowing what the, the, the thing is. And even one of the characters, Daniels, before they even go there, turns around to the new captain, uh, Captain Orem, and goes... Well, we don't know what the fuck's out there. Are you sure this is a good idea? And they're like, yeah, yeah, fuck it. I'm sure it'll be fine. God's with me. <laughs> Did I tell you I like God? I got Jesus. <laughs> I got you. He got my back. Uh, so, he my main man. And and, and, they, and this is when all the, the dust particles go. So they get the one crew member into the little landing pod. And in fairness, I fucking love this next scene. Anyhow. Orm's coming. He's coming for me. Get me the fuck out. No way. Ferris, please. Open up. I can't do that. I have to keep the infection up.
I yeah, loved it. The backburst. I thought it was brilliant. It was interesting. It was. It, 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 I, I wish it hadn't been ruined in the trailers. They shouldn't have shown it in the trailers. I mean, I, I think that's a thing that's more prevalent these days. Yeah. Spoiling shit in trailers. Announcing stuff before it actually happens. I had the same problem with um, the last series of Doctor Who. Mm. Why need to tell people that... The Master. The Master has come back. Yeah. If you haven't seen Doctor Who, we've just spoiled it for you. Do you see what I mean? Do you see? Yeah, at this point, though, <laughs> we have mentioned spoilers. So God we, damn we internet. Yeah. And I just... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I agree, and, and it ruined it. It the, ruined that surprise. It, it happens a lot. It happens in TV. It happens in film. You just keep dropping big things into trailers, and you know what's going to happen. Oh yeah. Oh, we'll speed it up. It'll be like a millisecond frame type thing. People slow that shit down. They watch it and they, they screen it cap it and they post it online. Stop doing it. It was, <laughs> I yeah, and I will I will say this scene. Regardless, I rewatched it again uh, recently. Yeah. And I thought it was great. I still love that scene. I think it's really. It was an creepy. interesting. It was an. It was an interesting idea to. Um, it's horrible to change it up a bit. Yeah, and it's I, I really gruesome. like it. Yeah, and and the the creature that comes out. It, it's it, good. It, it fits an alien film, doesn't it? Yeah, and I liked the creature that came out. I thought the yeah. Neomorph design was fucking excellent. I really do like the design of it. It was angry. Yeah, it was horrible. <laughs> but again, this is one of those weird ones. This is like uh, an ice cream sundae with a turd in the middle. Uh, you bite and you go, mm, oh, mm. <laughs> that turd's got an attitude. <laughs> yeah, luckily it had nuts. Uh, so, uh, yeah, the Neomorph, fucking brilliant design, scary as hell. That whole scene's great. Mm. However, when you rewatch it, you suddenly go, there are moments I could put the Benny Hill music to this, <laughs> and it's and you do have moments like that because. Yeah. Like, literally, first thing that happens, one of the doctors running away from the knee and walkers, oh, fuck, slips in the blood. Yep. Now, I can forgive that once. I understand that. Panic. You've just seen something that you've never seen once before. Once is accidental. Two or three times, now you're getting slapstick. <laughs> yeah. Hatches <laughs> out of some guy's spinal column. I understand that. Terrifying. What I thought was really bad, was I loved the bit that, the, the pilot of the ship, she she closes the quarantine door and goes, I'm really sorry. And the girl, there's that really anguish where she's going, I, I don't know what to do. This guy's in pain. I'll hug him. I know this man. I want to make sure he's okay. Shit, something's coming out of him. Oh God, what do I do? What do I do? And there's the panic. So I understand people are going, oh, why is she hugging him? Well, there's a personal connection to the guy. So I understand that. And she's kind of like, what do I do? This guy needs comfort. I, I get the rationale behind it. I, I see it. Um... However, once the pilot comes back, unlocks the door and sees the Neomorph eating that fucking woman's face, uh, <laughs> the first thing she does is charge into the room. I would have shot from the doorway, I would, quite frankly. Um, charges into the room, slips on some fucking blood, like the same fucking puddle, <laughs> and tries to charge out. And uh, then they manage to, manage to close the door. But the Neomorph, like smashes its face through the, this reinforced glass and manages to escape. And then um, she gets another gun and is going, for God's sake, come on, come on. Now, I might be slagging this scene off, and I am actually slagging the scene off, let's be fair. However, I will say this. Like I said, I loved this scene, but there are moments where you're like, shit, being critical. You're like, mm, there are a bit dicey moments. What I loved about it, the, the uh, actor who was playing the pilot, who was Tennessee's wife, 
who was getting in contact going, don't tell me to fucking calm down. You didn't yeah. see what that, that kind of reaction. Brilliant. Her reactions to everything. I think the reactions from all the people witnessing what happened was, were brilliant. Um, the panic was understandable. I think it, you can understand why the characters react in the way that they do. I, I get that. I do. Uh, and I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching it in full. And there was tension and it's really good. Um, hmm. Yeah. Then she blows herself up. <laughs> she shoots it. And I, I, okay. Yeah. She shoots the, 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 the tank by accident, the fuel tank trying to kill the protomorph. Um, and the protomorph runs off and then, cause it's Aurum's wife was on the ship as well. He's kind of like devastated and shell shot. And meanwhile, one of the other people who were with Aurum also got spaffed with those spores. But it, this time it went into the guy's nose and it rips out of his throat. Yeah. Which was pretty fucking nasty. Oh, yeah. I suppose it's showing some invention to the old um, alien birth thing, isn't it, really? Yeah. I, I it's, it's something it was that interesting, really yeah. hasn't been um, changed during the course of the series, has it? So mm. now that you're doing it from the beginning, it's almost like this is the evolution of what leads to yeah, the chestburster, isn't it? Mm. Right. I'm glad you brought that up. Right. The This is one thing that I'm really confused about. Throughout the series of the films, this is where you've got to be careful when you make prequels. Especially when the killing machine in the first film is so fucking perfect, right? This is supposed to be the perfect organism, is it not? Yeah. At that point, it's evolved. Can anybody legitimately explain why the ways that these things that are all biologically linked, the evolution of this, they're all linked to the evolution of this a the alien, why they seem to have better advantages why the alien wouldn't have taken those on prior to this for example do you really need to have a inconvenient thing where something has to be hatched out of an egg when spore dust can do it in twice the time yeah and when it can hatch out of any orifice it doesn't need to have to go through the fucking chest uh the fact that the protomorph is so lethal from the get-go before it had to run away the the alien the xenomorph the original xenomorph has to run away and grow and it takes time to grow there's there's time and how long it takes for it to be to impregnate people uh the face hookers and stuff it it, 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 it doesn't really suggest intelligent design when no. you backtrack and make something not exactly quite so good and <laughs> so so what you have effectively and even when the xenomorph shows well the protomorph uh which is like the caveman version of or cave person version of the xenomorph shows up later on the first thing that it does, it comes out, it's fully formed. It's got its arms, its legs, everything. How is not having your arms and legs at birth and the ability to run off and grow 50 times your fucking size within a space of 20 minutes, not a genetic advantage? How <laughs> how, how How is not having those things a genetic advantage? If you can explain to me that, I'll give you. I'll give you a tenner. I'm not even refuting it, mate. This is the problem. <laughs> so the, pro the and this this is what got me after. It's like the Neonomorph's fucking badass. That's a great creature. Ah, and then more thought of it. I was like, but it's pretty fucking. Hmm. 
okay. And it's got the acid for blood, you know, because Walter runs up, punches one in the face to try and save Daniels, and his hand starts fucking dissolving. And I'm like, okay, that's that's lovely. Um, which I thought was kind of cool. That took me by surprise. Yeah. What took me by surprise was in the middle of the cornfield, because these protomorphs start two of them. They grow to adulthood within fucking seconds. It's 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 silly. It's it that's the book part that made me go, what the hell? Um they grow so considerably uh in such a short amount of time that I'm like, my god, these things are lethal and they start attacking the crew, what's the what's on the actual the ones that are on the planet's surface. And um the gore there, don't be wrong, is incredible. But there was a moment that I absolutely adored. Mm-hmm. In amongst that chaos, when the the throat burster comes out, there is a moment where I went, that is, oh, wow, that was great. I will take my hat off and go, thank you, Alien Covenant, for doing one thing that really, oh, they did the one thing that, well, they didn't do the one thing that really pisses me off about modern entertainment. I'm going to get on a bit of a political platform now and I'm going to sound very right-wing. I'm not. I'm not. I'm very middle of the road. However, I hate when you get a politically correct message or whatever just rammed in your face. Modern Doctor Who is terrible for it with characters that are, that are gay. There's no problem with a character being gay. I'm straight out. Not a problem at all. What I have a problem with is when you stop a story in the middle of it to have a character go, I'm gay. Because that's not natural. You know, no gay person I know, just in the middle of anything, has ever turned around and gone, wait, stop, I'm gay. And that happens a lot. And not just Doctor Who, but in a lot of films and stuff. What I loved about Covenant, there was a uh, a gay married couple and he loses his husband. His husband is the one with the throat burster. Yeah. And the the security officer, the sadness and the fucking the heartbreak, you see it all in his face and you're like, wow. And it's so convincing. You're like, oh my god, that's really and you know the best thing was? They happened to be gay and they were there. Yeah. It was a case of, yeah, they're gay, so what? Anyway. And it, that's it, it, how it should be. It didn't feel the need to announce it to you because there doesn't it, it need to be a need to announce it doesn't that need gay. to be announced no. it's kind of self-evident and, and, and people are just like okay the game yeah. whatever and that's how it should be and it's brilliant because he he's they're, they're two guys like their sexuality there's nothing to do with their sexuality is brought up except for when and like anybody would be when he sees his partner die he is heartbroken and you feel for him he's you really feel for him You're like, oh my god he's lost the person he loves and it's it's really sad. He goes, oh, I, my love and everything else. And he's like holding the, this guy's body. And it's like really sad. And it's really beautiful and amongst the chaos. And I thought, thank you for doing that. Thank you for doing a legitimate, brilliant scene. And not only, not because it was it, like, it, you know, uh, not, just because, not, not just because of the acting, but because I felt... They did a representation of a relationship, of a gay relationship that didn't need to be pointed out, didn't need to be made a big thing of until 
there was a genuine need to make a big thing of it, which was, shit, I've lost somebody I love, which anyone would do. And I think that was brilliant because it was organic, it felt natural, and it was beautifully it, done. It's addressing what is important of the scene. Yes. And letting everything else be self-evident. Because the, the film isn't about... like, And don't be wrong, listeners, please don't be wrong. If the, the film is like Brokeback Mountain and it's about like a gay relationship and the struggles facing that that's completely different i understand that that's completely different i would never criticize that because Brokeback mountain is an amazing film if it's a film like uh or a story like uh oranges uh aren't the only fruit perfect not a problem it's when people write um they don't write i don't think they re- write or represent uh, it's, it's almost like it's not the gay community. It's not like in it's, a natural way. It's not presented in a natural way. Yeah, and that's not fair. I don't think. I think that's that's it, it, wrong. It's, it's, it's in a way, it's not giving its own subject matter due credit. Yeah, if it's something, if the story needs it, obviously, yeah. where it's actually a story element, like if you have racism in a story element, you know, it needs to be addressed, of course. But when it's just like, oh yeah, and they chuck it in, it's ham-fisted. I don't think it's fair. And I think it's a discredit to the. And now, look, I'm I'm heterosexual. I lot you might have some gay listeners who are going, "What the hell are you talking about?" And and I apologise if I offend anyone. It's not my intention. It's just in my personal opinion. I love seeing um, all relationships represented in a natural state. It doesn't feel forced um, because I think it does more credit to the people as people as individuals rather than. Um, labeled as something and that's that's where i come from and i thought that scene was beautifully done and i really really felt for that couple i i felt so badly for the security officer um and yeah it was it was well done. like i felt terrible for Orem when he goes my wife's just died and and tennessee you know well, it's because all these situations all these losses are presented in a in a natural way I think they are yeah they're not forced or ham-fisted into a narrative and I liked that I thought that uh, that made the characters um, more relatable I suppose it's when it feels forced and the problem when you feel make it feel forced I think it does discredit to the community it's it's a disservice yeah I feel and and I wouldn't just say that if it was a a gay or like a a female character I think anybody I think if you force anything it's a discredit to the actors portraying the roles the story in general and it's just that's what I think and uh, again if I've offended anybody what I've just said I do apologise send him an email you can say whatever you like. <laughs> yeah, and it's and it's there'll not... be an address at the end of the show. We we do want feedback from this, by the way. Uh, and it's and again, it's not an attack. Far from it. Um, it's just my personal opinion. And like I said at the beginning of the show, opinions are like assholes. We all have them, and some of them stink. Uh, and uh, yeah, and basically, I liked that relationship though. In in a nutshell, I thought it was really well handled. You see, the, 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 uh, I suppose this is where we come to my big narrative. Well, it's at this point, it point. really just tonally changes. Yeah. This is what we were saying. I mean, the, 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 it, it kind of moves to the point where they're just going for getting something completely right to going to getting something completely wrong and in turn wrecking the dramatic flow of the rest of the film. Uh, it's a scene between Walter and David. Oh, fucking They've hell. met. 
and I, they're... I, but prior to that, Walter saves these people oh, with yes, a yes. flare gun. I, I don't know how he has control of these protomorphs. He just does. Did with... you think when he turned up with that flare gun, he looked a bit like the BFG, but short? Yes. In his little cloak. He was just like, have you got any snuff cumbers? <laughs> just like, Basically, yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's why he's saying them. What, for snozcumbers? For snozcumbers. He does like to whiz pop, whiz bang. Oh, he does. There's a lot of things he likes to do. Mm. We'll get to that now. And and then, sorry, <laughs> he takes him back to a citadel with a lot of... Now, this is... Right. Who in their right mind follows him? Follow me. And you go through, and he's got crazy hair. He looks just like Walter. So you're like, hmm, he's obviously a droid. And then you see loads of screaming in pain, burnt out husks of whatever the hell. Uh, not just like one or two, millions and millions of them all over a, like a field, a city. And it's like, oh, follow me. It's like, what the fuck's going this on? This way, nothing to see. Yeah. <laughs> that was when I was like, okay. Never mind them. They were here when I got here. Yeah. They were. <laughs> and uh, so, so you're part of the Prometheus. Oh yes. So, so what the fuck happened? <laughs> and this leads to Walter and David having time to discuss how things are. It's basically. I mean, the start of the scene. It makes perfect sense. It's one generation meeting another generation mm. and filling in the gaps. A bit like Star Trek Generations, Kirk and. Yeah, Lord. yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it, it, it's. Two, pe- two people completely out of time from each other and just uh, trying to connect. And it starts off well, and then we reach a point where it completely skews and the- all dramatic flow Fucking goes hell. completely out of the window for the rest yeah. of the film. A relaxed ass is a happy ass. But if it's a tight and unrelaxed ass, it's an unhappy ass. <laughs> Hold it like so. Nice and easy. Now compress your lips to create your embouchure. Enough for the tip of your little finger. And blow into the hole gently. Like so. Watch me. I'll do the fingering. Go on. blow i'll do the fingering my god what were they thinking i was in a screening the screening i was i went to watch alien covenant with my wife we were sat there watching it and watching the scene and that line came out you blow i do the fingering and the first thing here in the screen is every yeah there was a guy one guy down the front and that was it there was right i was sat next to my mate becky uh shout out to becky and uh, and I'm sat next to Becky, and I'm sat next to uh, my mates uh, Becky and, and my mates John and and his lady Tracy and Paul and and uh, my mate Dan and all, all these all these great people that I went to watch the film with because I like to group watch films and um, make an event out of it. And I was so excited to watch this film. I was like, yes, can't wait. And we sat down in SDC somewhere in the in the audience as well, along with Danny who's done some yeah. of the prior pods as well, and, and his husband, Andy. And uh, we sat there, and uh, the moment they said that, I'll do the fingering, I 
I looked, right, I first off, I heard <laughs> from various parts of the cinema, the auditorium. I just loved it in my showing. It was just one guy down the front because the second he sniggered, I just looked at my wife and that was it. We were done. We were just laughing but, our heads off. But I, look, I looked over and I looked at my mate Becky, who she, she just went, <laughs> and I was just like, what? I think every sane person who has viewed this film had oh. the exact same reaction at the exact same time, and they were all thinking of the exact same thing. It was, what the hell were you what, thinking? Why? Who thought when they wrote that line, it would... Right, actually, even writing the line, actually, I will defend this. The line isn't bad. It's the way that Michael Fassbender portrays it, and... If Ridley Scott had half a brain, he would have turned around and gone, hang on, Michael, um, can we do that again, please? Because there's a deeply kind of sexual uh, tension, and that's kind of cool, but I've got a funny feeling. It's not kind of like basic instinct levels of sexual (laughs) tension, where it's kind of creepy or interesting or psychological or like Silence of the Lambs. Let's face it, it's It's, it's it's carry on. It's carry on levels of sexual tension. <laughs> it's sort it, of like I, I half expected other fast bender to um, do a Kenneth Winley Zoo Earth kind of thing. I, I would have done anything <laughs> in the world to hear <laughs> fucking Sid James go. <laughs> he just walked. <laughs> in. That would be perfect. He just walk. Other fast bender goes and then Sir James just walks in and laughs. But that is what I'm trying to tell you. It would have been great. <laughs> it would have been brilliant. It would have been absolutely perfect. Yeah, it was. It was that moment. I was just like, fuck you know. Yeah, and this is where the film starts really falling apart. Because uh, I think, I don't think it's unfair to say that line or the choice to put that line in completely robbed any dramatic tension from the rest of the film considering those characters yeah yeah because all of a sudden david has turned from slightly sinister into overly camp and you can't really take him all that serious anymore and 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 the problem is this is this is the the big problem now with fassbender's performance i will say this and and the creative decision to uh, to set not step in and go as a director and go Michael, I think you should play it like this. Because what happens now is you have two tonally very different films. You have scary, we've got a monster outside, but we're actually locked in with a monster film. Okay, like 10 Cloverfield Lane. And then you go from that to let's talk about the meaning of life and start waxing lyrical and being very poetic and spouting sort of very sort of philosophical Byron-esque uh, or no, sorry Shelley-esque uh, sort of um, quotes and that's great and all however when you're jumping from that to the philosophy to one-liners that kind of like that are more camp than sexually terrifying like like fearsome for a different reason uh, like you know, almost like borderline rapist, it, which is which is what I think he yeah. was trying to go for, like a bit kind of um, Hannibal Lecter. It's the, it just doesn't work. It was just a really daft decision, and for me, it just spoiled the rest of the film. It did. 
Yeah, I, I, I would agree. I, I just thought it was a really, unraveled. it was a really silly decision to keep that line in there, and I don't understand why it was kept in there, because I don't, I, I cannot imagine anyone watching that scene, hearing that line, and not laughing yeah i uh, anybody watching that and I, you know what i could see somebody on I set going think... and going shit i better not say this to ridley scott that's sir ridley scott or whatever I'm gonna i don't it. think it's someone just being juvenile that line come on it is you bad. blow i do the fingering it's a bad line <laughs> it is a terrible line i totally agree i totally agree it, it ruined the film from that point for me um the other thing as well is the pace because you have this quite structured pace, yeah, that's quite well done, and then it stops to do this really overly long, like look at the differences between David and Walter, yeah, which wouldn't be a problem if we'd never met David before. But we know David's a fucking lunatic because we saw him turn people into mutants in the last film. Why try and make the comparison? We know everything we need to know about Walter being a better person. The moment he sacrifices his hand to save somebody, the moment he in his actions, the way he is, he's com- you know he's a completely different character. So why try and show the contrast when we know that? And you spend so long fucking around flute playing. Look, I'm, I don't have a problem with people who play the flute. I have no problem with people who play instruments far from it. What I will say is this. Flute playing in sci-fi films should only be kept to fucking Jean-Luc Picard. <laughs> right? That's all it should be done. He, he could do his own bloody fingering. Yeah, yeah too right. Oh, but, that's, a, that's a fucking powerful image. A powerful image. Oh. God. <laughs> Picard's majestic brow. Beaded with sweat. <laughs> As he powerfully does the fingering. <laughs> <laughs> Engage <laughs> with, with force and meaning, <laughs> but 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 my point, but my point remains. I I think it was just that scene was, it could have been better if they threw that line out. It would have saved it for definite. But I think at this point we already it's know so, the so, differences between them. Yeah, it it's so weird how one scene can just end up completely wrecking the feel of the rest of the film. Uh, yes, I know. Revenge of the Sith. No! Uh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was that level of bad to me. Yeah, yeah. And, and I will say, I will definitely say, um, Ridley Scott, the next film you do, stop fucking obsessing over people playing instruments. You had a captain in Prometheus dicking around with an accordion all the time. In this, you got somebody fucking around with a flute. Just pack it in and concentrate on what they're saying to one another. Because that is more important than the visual element of somebody dicking around with an instrument. So, yeah, sorry. It just really annoyed me. Um, And it really falls apart now because the character interactions really don't make that much sense. Well, no, it's, 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 it's almost that's the marker where we're now into the final furlong, isn't it? Oh, man, it fucks up. Mm. It really fucks up. Like, you've got um, the Xenomorph... Well, sorry, no, the Protomorph turns up. 
<laughs> it almost just wanders out, doesn't it? it uh, I thought it was kind of cool the way it, there was that really cool image. It's kind of like looking down, sort of yeah. almost like golem like. And yeah. I was like, that's fucking creepy, man. And it goes up the um, it goes up the parapet and and goes into the sort of citadel where they all are. And meanwhile, every little line coming out of David's mouth sounds so fucking sinister. I do not understand why nobody at any point went. This ain't Hang right. On. This guy's really scary. Is he the baddie? Yeah. I've got a feeling he's the baddie. I'm sure he's the baddie. There's <laughs> something about... Just call me crazy. It's the way everything he says has a sinister edge to it. Everything he says did, did is sinister. Just, hang on. Did you just smirk after you said that? He is the baddie. Yeah. He smirked. Why it's, would he it's smirk? It's really, like, unsubtle. <laughs> it is. It, it's, it's, it's almost that... Le- I, I know we're, like, obviously dicking about, but it's that level of unsubtle. And it doesn't just, help it. It no, doesn't help it when it it's so unsubtle. It doesn't know. service it very well. At all. No, and when when the other thing as well is like, if I was any of the crew members, the moment I went, you know, when you had long straggly hair with blonde bits in, and now you've come back and you've clearly cut your hair to match exactly the same exact hairstyle as our fucking droid friend. He's who's a hairdresser actually, apparently. Yeah, it's sort of like maybe. Just maybe you should shit right off, and I'm going to stay next to David all the time because that's really obvious. It was like maybe they should not have even given him the crazy long hair. <laughs> I, I just I don't get it. I don't understand why they didn't they they didn't do anything. And like uh, I so yeah, the protomorph turns up and it kills one of the crew that has gone off to wash their face with the water and stuff. Um, I don't know why anybody would do that at this point, considering the planet's trying to kill you. The last thing I'll be doing is rubbing my fucking orifices and my eye holes uh, in fucking water that could potentially make things erupt from it. It's fun. It's all fun. Exactly. So refreshing. <laughs> uh, so, so this person does that, and the pro- and, and I thought this scene was actually quite cool. Protomorph turns up. And I think the protomorphs are really not protomorph. Sorry, the neomorph. I keep calling them protomorph. Mm. The neomorph. Sorry, the neomorph turns up, and I thought the neomorph was really scary and really well done. And uh, neomorphs there, rah, 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 rips this person's fucking head off and starts eating the body. Creepy scene. Really well done. Um, then David and Orem walk in. Orem's got a gun. And I, right, this is where I start going, what the fuck for the leaps of logic? He comes in and he goes, no, 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 don't do anything. Like David's like that to bloody Oren. And he walks and goes, breathe on a horse's nostrils and he'll be yours for life. And I'm like, how does that? So you telling me all this time for the Aliens films, all they had to do was cough on one of these motherfuckers and they wouldn't rip your face off. I bet your child's dance wishes he knew that. Jesus Christ. So, like, he's doing that, and it sort of looks up to him, and he's looking at it, and then Orm's like, um, that's my mate's head bobbing up and down in water. I'm quite rightly going to execute it. Executes it. The Andrew's like, no! Now, I loved his reaction, the way he went, no! I thought that was kind of cool. But then he goes back to normal. Again, fine, because he's kind of this weird android dealing with emotions because he's obviously malfunctioning. I, I get that, and that's kind of cool. I, I do admit some of the weird bits with the fluctuations of the emotions were clever. 
like his reaction to the death of the Neomorph, I quite liked. Aurum goes, yeah, uh, you're going to fucking tell me um, exactly what happened to her. I'm going to ruin your perfect fucking composure or whatever he says. And he, he's, he's sort of like, uh, okay, yeah, I'll tell you. And he wanders down a set of steps into a creepy dungeon full of fucking mutated weird experiments with creepy fucking uh, Geiger fucking drawings all over the wall. And uh, he walks in and he leads him into a fucking room with a giant leathery organic fucking egg. It's, it's nothing. You couldn't mistake that for anything else. That's a giant leather fucking egg, right? And he's like, better have a look in there. Yeah. <laughs> the the crazy robot that just five seconds ago or five minutes ago or whatever, like time scale, because time doesn't have any meaning uh, in, in this film. The robot that you have just literally turned around and said, I've seen the devil and I think you're the kind of guy who's uh, he's quite dodgy. You're generally the kind of guy who'd piss on my back and tell me it's raining. I don't trust you. Come with me. All right. What the fuck? Execute him. What? It's just like, execute him. Radio for help. Get the fuck off the planet. So like, so he does that. Follows him in. Follows this creepy thing. And he's and he's seeing all this creepy shit. Where he actually walks past Elizabeth Shaw's mutilated body. And he turns around and he goes, it's perfectly safe. Look inside. When this egg's fucking hatching. Why would you do that? You've seen already on this on this on this planet you have seen weird things hatch out of people's faces, right? And eat other people's faces and knock people's jaws off with its tail and dissolve your your companion's hands. Why would you look into it? We, we 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 just I don't know. It, it, I suppose it's that point in the film where you just you reach a point of a disconnect where um, there's just huge jumps in logic. Really, mm. just massive jumps in logic, and it's and that's unfortunately where if that happens too much, too often for too long, you lose your audience. Yeah, unfortunately, there was one scene that came that either just before, no, it's just after, which I really liked involving David and Walter, mm. where David is talking to Walter, and Walter's like, "I think." you're wrong and you have some problems and he just tells them straight that like you know mm. you're malfunctioning you, you needed updates and whatever and you've gone far too long without updates and whatnot and he's like you're such a disappointment and he fucking chucks the the flute into the side of uh walter's neck and there's a split cut and the reaction of walter is brilliant like the scream it really fucking really unsettled unnerving the scream and his eyes go white. His eyes are actually, if you see it, his eyes are completely white. And he's like, like this horrified, horrific kind of scream. And he pulls the flute out and he drops down. And the one thing I thought was really fucking cool is if you look at him, he kind of curls up almost like he's a dead insect, mm. which I thought was kind of cool. I, I thought it was like, you know, with, with Walter. And then obviously you get the hint that he's going to be okay because the, the, the wound in his neck starts healing. Mm. I'll get back to that in a second. So it then carries on with what's going on with uh, David. Brilliant. He wakes up Orem. Orem's like, what do you believe in? Oh, no, too late. Alien fucking hatches off the, out of his stomach. Fully fucking formed. And he it copies him. I didn't like that at all. 
it's raising his arms when he's raising his arms. I'm like, what are you doing? What the fuck? And then it it doesn't seem like that much time has passed, and it grows into a fully formed protomorph. Yeah. I don't know, man. And then Facehugger jumps on uh, the security guy, and he manages to get it off, but getting part of his face burnt. Um, they manage to escape because Tennessee comes down, not before Walter and David have a fight to the fucking death. In fairness, that scene was fucking ace with the, the, the androids fighting. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah. Um, so they they have that happen. And then they escape the planet uh, where Walter runs onto the ship and like they leave David and the rest of the protomorphs or whatever and everything else on the... Uh, and neomorphs on the uh, on the planet surface, and they go back into the Covenant where everything's okay. So Daniels at this point, it's Daniels and Tennessee and the security officer and Walter manage to escape the planet, and everything seems to go back to normal until there's an alarm because uh, Mother's down. Conveniently, there's an alarm, and the security guy's chest has been blown open, and there's another protomorph because they've managed to kill the protomorph prior to that, uh, and there's another one. And that's when you go into, like, the last part of the film, where they're guiding him around. Uh, well, De- uh, Walters guiding him around via the uh, comms, going, "Oh, this is where the alien is," and they're closing stuff behind him. And it's uh, Daniels in Tennessee, and uh, they close all these different um, things behind them to lure the monster out into. Uh, an airlock uh, yet again another airlock death for an alien which pissed me off but mm. I will give it this just suddenly thinking about it at least Daniel says I'm not going to shoot it because we have weapons that might kill it I'm not going to shoot it because it's got acid for blood yeah. and it'll burn through the hull so at least they have a logic to why they flush it out of the fucking airlock so I at least I, I gave it that and then uh, surprise surprise they all go back to the cryo tubes and uh, they're going to sleep when all of a sudden Daniels finds out that Walter is really David. Dun, dun, <laughs> and then David's like, oh. I think everyone saw that one coming like a long time before it happened. You mean the happened, moment though. he cut his hair to look exactly like Walter? <laughs> and and the moment, right, this is right. You remember when I said about the flute in the side of Walter's yeah. neck? And I was like, I'm getting back to that. Daniels would quite clearly know what Walter was capable of being a crew member of that ship. Why did she not go, hmm, you're stapling your face back together. Why is it not healing? Just stuff like that, the logic, to me, is just like, really? Really? Yes, you, you she looks get, at his hand. Uh, but... I don't know, you, you always get to a point where just, it, it feels like they don't care anymore. Protomorph looks awesome. Mm. I will say this. A lot of people yeah. hated it. I loved it. I really liked the Protomorph. I um, loved the fight between Walter and David. I loved Walter. But, yeah. 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 What What? What do you think, man? Well, as a whole? Yeah. As a whole, I don't know. I suppose it becomes what you have to throw out there really wanting to like it thing and just you have to admit it is deeply flawed mm. um, it is obviously a lot better than uh, Prometheus I did like Prometheus um, 
so yeah on a level of um not being quite so wordy and uh, philosophical and getting back more to the nature of what an alien film should actually be it does tick some boxes but i still think it's not quite there as far as quality goes for um for the franchise it, it needed mm. to be something more than it was um it was certainly on the right track it, it certainly did a lot of things right but um for me not quite enough it's not a complete dead loss there is some good stuff in it but it's not it's not ticking all the boxes i think i enjoyed it now i have been very critical over the last half hour or whatever of this podcast uh, i will say i still enjoyed it i still really liked it I would, if I had to give it a rating out of 10, not that I like giving ratings, mm. I would give it a solid 6, borderline very minus 7 out of 10. Only because what saves it for me is things like the performances of Michael Fassbender as Walter, uh, Tennessee, the fact that I liked Daniels, uh, she wasn't a, a Ripley clone, which I liked. Because it would have been very easy to do that. Pardon me. Um, but I I liked that. I liked um, Billy Crudrup, uh, Crudup, Crudup, or whatever yeah. his name is. Um, as Captain Orem, Chris Orem, or whatever his name was. I liked him. Um, I loved the security guard. I thought he was ace. Um, I, But there are, there are holes that, like, logic, like how did the alien end up in the security guard it, I don't know I mean, is, it, it, is it the face hugger that was on him for five seconds it, it almost got to a point of just becoming kind of quite lazy sci-fi oh yeah. we don't need to think about that they'll never even think about that it's fine and the but, but, waste they'll, 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 they'll just assume that's okay yeah, the waste of why they did not use Naomi Rapace I don't it's get thing, it it's like you put two quite big profile actors in this film, Naomi Rapace and James Franco. They're billed quite prominently in the promotional literature for this film. They're in it for minutes, both of them. Yep. Oh, yeah. It's just ridiculous. James Franco got more screen time in the short that came before it than in the actual film itself. That's another thing. They released internet shorts two internet shorts for yeah. this that would have been better suited to be in the films uh, the film itself and it feels Let's like a deleted it, scene we call them internet shorts they're deleted scenes yeah aren't they basically and, and they made them so much they fleshed yeah. out things more why not have James Franco's character all that stuff with him before we get to see them on the ship because ultimately you're killing him and you have no connection to this character so ultimately or if there's the no only, connection the only why thing you have at the end of the film him? is why was James Franco in this film yeah, it, it you do feel that yeah. because you're like, I thought that was going to lead to him because it's not even like I'm helping my mate out, Danny McBride. It's more of a he's in it. Wicked is there going to be no? And I'm like, well, that's a bit of a waste of James. You, James Franco's a good actor. Yeah, you've wasted him there. Why not use him and see more of him? I know there was a plot device to have Captain Orem take well to, for Orem to become Captain Orem. I understand that, but. It felt like a waste, and it felt like a waste of Naomi Rapace as well. Yeah, yeah. Especially when... I don't understand the logic after the actions that David took to affect 
um, Shaw physically that so she had so she had that embryo and God knows what in her, right? Why would she put his head back on his shoulders? Mm. And why would she sing a John Denver song and send that into space? Yeah, I like. I yeah, want so, to see what. Why be cryptic? Just, yeah, just, just just say something. Don't, yeah. don't sing a John Denver song. That's just yeah, weird. it's just yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, is it because you know what I would have loved if you found out? And this is what I originally thought when we started doing. She was the being podcast. held hostage, and she was using it as a coded message. That would have been kind of cool. But yeah. what I would have done is she's going mad, and the reason she's going mad is because she's slowly transforming and being egg morphed or something, yeah. which is what I thought they were going to do with her. And make her the first egg for the alien or something. Mm. Or make her this weird fucking human queen hybrid thing laying the eggs or mm. whatever. Just anything. But they wasted it. And you see her body and it's kind of all desecrated and all that stuff. But David's crying over her. Going, oh, but she I've never been treated like this. Not even by Mr. Wayland. And, oh, I loved her and he's crying. And I'm like, but you killed her. How? Why? Why not put some logic in it? And find out that, like, I actually noted something down. Uh, da, 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 da. I did write something down about this in my notes. Uh, ba, 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 ba. Right, where was it with the repace thing? That I did. I did, hang on. Ah, here we go. So David loves uh, Shaw. He keeps going on about that. You even see him crying after she's dead and he's playing the flute about her and he's got a little shrine over her and all this kind of stuff. So, but but he's apparently killed her, right? So maybe they should have uh, done something that David unintentionally killed her. He didn't mean to kill her, but he killed her. And that's why he's crying and why that's why he's upset. That would make more sense, logically. Mm. Uh, and uh, like, so he doesn't actually go out of his way to kill her because of the kindness she showed him. And he was like, oh, maybe. Um... And when he released all the black goo and he's the one that dropped uh, dropped this virus, again, the black goo starts acting differently to how it was in Prometheus. Um, so so by like when she dies, he's like, I've, I've got to do something to honor her. So he's using her body to create life. But like maybe all the spores and everything else that he's created from her, because of the, the black goo that he released accidentally killed her or whatever, um, means that all the aliens we see have something genetically in common, maybe, with, yeah. like, Shaw. So when the fucking Neomorph is executed, and the reason he reacts the way he does is because he's like, you've just killed Shaw again, Mara! Like, kind of, in his head. Mm. Anything, just anything. It just, it, it doesn't make sense, some of the logic yeah. leaves. Um, yeah, that really bothered me. Which is un- it's, it's, it's unfortunate though because I, th- I think it kind of mires the film a little and uh, well it's not done well and it, it really it, hasn't it didn't done do, well it didn't do well um, it, it hasn't broke it, even it, yet it got panned critically and uh, people didn't show up in, in the cinemas to actually watch the film um, which kind of probably leaves Fox thinking do we continue with this well, should we should we have gone with Neil Bloomkamp we don't know. There hasn't been an official announcement on this yet. There's been lots of rumblings that it might have cut the Alien franchise to a halt again. Yeah. Or it may revert back to Neil Bloomkamp and see what he's going to do. We just don't know at this point. But uh, one thing's for sure. I think um, 
in summary, uh, uh, Alien Covenant is certainly um, another divisive yes. instalment. I in was the upset series. by it in certain respects. I preferred it over Prometheus, mm. but I felt let down by it. Yeah, still felt let down, but I still like it. Yeah, but that's the weird. It feels weird. Yeah, I like it, yet I'm let down by it. Yeah, that yeah. doesn't seem right. Yeah. Um, Where do they go it's, now? It's, 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 it's a shame, really. Well, th- this is the thing where we were saying before, where we were on about uh, Neil Blomkamp. Now, this we could really talk about this because the future of the franchise. Where do you go from here? Where yeah, do you I go? Mean, do you make a sequel to this? To be honest with you, mate, I don't think it, I don't think it will happen. I don't think it will I, happen. I really, How? I really don't think it will happen. Now, I, I, I think. I, I think Covenant might have killed it dead. I don't think it's killed it dead. You know what I think it's going to happen? Mm. What helps Covenant? I think it had a great marketing department with the posters and stuff. Yeah. It, they, they were brilliant. Yeah. Um, I think the marketing was really well done. Apart from the trailer that revealed the death of, of people. Yeah. Uh, what I will say, I think, because of the backlash, I can see Fox going, hmm, okay, looking at Neil Blomkamp and going, all his shorts are doing really well because he's doing all these shorts again. Yeah. And things like that. I think he's doing it and I think they will turn around and go, we need you. Do you want to do this Alien 5? Because since all this has happened, Blomkamp's come out uh, via interview and he's actively said, he's actively said, um, yes, it was shut down pretty much by Ridley Scott, but he, he's saying it in a way where he doesn't want to be disrespectful yeah. or fucking kill his career. Because let's be fair, you take a pot uh, pot shot at Ridley Scott, you better bring your A game because yeah. that guy's got a, brings a lot of clout and a lot of power. Yeah. So he could end your career if you weren't good enough. It would be like good enough for Spielberg. Yeah, he's not just a director, he's a producer as well. And yeah. Producers have got their fingers everywhere. Mm-hmm. They do all the fingering. And Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And this is and this is the problem. This is what's happened. Um, interestingly, while this film was being made, everybody's going, "Oh my god, they're making Alien Five and loving that idea." The moment just a little bit of concept art released of that, and people are like this is going to be brilliant, and they get really excited, and you're getting the fan fever up. Scott, it comes across. Scott throws his teddies out the pram and goes, "Right, that ain't happening," because a, you're not paying attention to my film, and b. I made the Alien films. It's like, mm, you didn't make the Alien films by yourself. There's a lot more to contribute into the success of the Alien films. And uh, and he's gone very much... It, it it feels like, whether it's intentional or not, or if it is real or not, in my perception, it feels like um, Ridley Scott's kind of chucking his teddies at the uh, pram and going, yeah. no, this is where the film's going to go. And the fact that he was the one who went, nope, he revealed to the public, no, it's not happening. He's not a studio. No. So why is he revealing that information? Because he's the one with the power over everything. Yeah. So he's the one going, no, it's not happening. And if he's saying it's not happening, it's not happening. And he's kind of like, oh, no, well, you know, I was going to produce her, but, you know, the studio wants to go over any, somewhere else. I don't think it was that. I think Ridley Scott went, I want to do this, and this is how it's going to go. And I think Ridley Scott probably has... A slight controlling or contributing factor in some way to this. To, to be honest with you, mate, I, 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 I genuinely think it's dead in the water. 
The only way I think anything would come back with an Alien film is if another director of an Alien franchise stepped in. You reckon Cameron? James Cameron. That's the only way I think another Alien film might happen. Because I think they would pick Cameron over Scott. Oh, fuck yes. Yeah, of course they would. You turn around to anybody Cameron, on the street, Cameron's generally, and go, what's the best you, aliens, you, uh, you alien film? Be, aliens. You, you can be as critical of James Cameron as you like. The guy is money. Yep. More so than Ridley Scott. Yeah, times yeah. if you're looking at bank, I'm sorry, who's made yeah. the, the, the number one film of all time grossing? It's Avatar, isn't yeah, it still? Yeah. Cameron. Um, whose sequels have made the most money? Cameron. Has he made a flop? No. When people... Well, well, he hasn't made a financial flop. No. Cri- cri- critically, I'd ma- say he's made a couple of flops, oh, yeah, to be honest but, with you. But yeah, uh, yeah. no, I, I wouldn't argue that. But yeah. when it comes to it, that's not what the producers no. will look at. They'll go, it's do you remember result- that time we, we said he didn't know what he was doing and we thought Titanic was going to ruin us and we kept throwing money at it and he was saying, you're going to do what I say and we were ignoring him we didn't like it. But he said, just trust me. And then it came out, and it was huge, and it wouldn't stop being huge, and it made us lots of money, and then we ate humble pie, laughed a bit, and then had a bat in money. Yeah. Should we do that again? Yeah. I, yeah, I, I, I honestly, the fact of the matter is, I agree with you there. If Cameron walked in and goes, I've got an idea, I think if Cameron walked in and went, I'm guiding Bloomcamp, and this is what I want to do, with the franchise, I think they would back. Fox would sit up and listen. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I think that that's what it's going to take, yeah. and I think you're right. Um, which worries me because I think the films they do need to continue, but they need to. There is still one or two good films ready for this franchise, but they are yet to release it. That um, and that's sad. I, I think the most common sense thing they could possibly do is do out-the-box stuff. Maybe look at, if you want to continue it, do that one-off film that they were planning, that Blomkamp was doing. What's the worst that can happen? It flops. Mm. Well, the franchise is fucking flopping anyway. I think the problem is that I I don't think, studio-wise, they're going to have enough faith in Neil Blomkamp to give him... Alien. Unless he turned around and said, "I've got Scorny Weaver with me." That the original he, cast he's, he's got. He's we'll got some, do it for sixty million. He's got some critical success behind him, but he does not have the box office. No, he doesn't. You're right. You are right. You are right. The I mean, box office is what talks to him. District Nine, Chappie, they both did well, but they didn't make the kind of money that are going to. Well, make District fun. Nine did because of the, the budget, but Chappie didn't. You're no. right. Yeah, it's not enough for Alicia a studio well. box to set up and go. Here you go. Have one of our prime franchises. No. Yeah. And that's a shame. And it is a shame. It that's a, a shame. real shame. It, it was an interesting idea, but it's just not to be. I have no idea where it would go as well. Because Scott, the stuff he's said completely contradicts what Neil Blomkamp said. Yeah, yeah. He's going, well, there wasn't anything anyway. He's almost like kind of critically bashed Blomkamp, going, there was only, what, two-page story draft and a couple of bits of art. And Blomkamp's like, no, I had a script. Yeah. It, it, it gets to that point where you don't know who to believe, to be honest with you. Um, really. I'm going to go with the director that doesn't seem to be pissing on people's backs and saying it's raining. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to go with Blomkamp, <laughs> where Ridley Scott, he's... I don't... Yeah, and what worries me is his hand in the new Blade Runner film. And as good as it looks, I am concerned. I'm still concerned. Until I've seen it, I'm not going to stop being concerned. It my, looks my, great. I'm not concerned about the director. I am concerned the about story how much do. how much 
influence Ridley Scott's going to hold over it. Yep. I, I'm not wanting to sound like I'm, I'm all anti-Ridley Scott all of a sudden. He's a fantastic yeah, director. Yeah, totally. But he needs to leave stuff alone. If he's, he's a 50 50 actively involved really he's a 50 50 director when yeah. he gets it right it's a masterpiece when yeah. he gets it wrong it's a train wreck yeah and um i would say i would and i'm very grateful to all the stuff he's ever done because he's made two of my favorite films of all time yeah um but what i will say what concerns me about blade runner is i think they're going to get rid of the mystique about fucking whether a decade's a bloody replicant or not i don't need to know we don't need to know leave it um you know ambiguous yeah. ambiguous genuinely concerned but that i think is a matter for another podcast on that one mm. <laughs> which pretty much brings uh, our section to the alien series to an end um which uh, leaves us where um where the podcasts go from here uh, one thing we like to do before we get to that is uh, introduce a new feature. It's going to be a regular feature. Uh, pretty much every time we do a podcast, we'll be uh, throwing a little, a little section at the end, which will feature uh, some recommendations from me and Chris. Nice. Um, basically, things, they can be anything. It can be a film, a TV show, some music, a game, a book, anything. We're giving you three recommendations of things that we think you should check out. We dig them. We think you should dig them too. And um, this is our inaugural recommendation section. Um, well, my first one is a TV show. Uh, unsurprisingly, as with most brilliant TV shows this day, it comes from a streaming service. It comes from Amazon. And it is an adaptation of Neil Gaiman's American Gods. Ooh. Absolutely incredible. I've never, I've not seen any brilliant. of this. I've not read any brilliant, of it, but I've been told brilliant, about brilliant. it. Brilliant. I Tell us more. I haven't read the book, but the... Uh, What's the premise? The show's great. Basically, it's, uh, it's set in a modern day America where old gods and new gods live along side by side and are in a conflict against each other for who is on top and holding more sway over humanity. Nice. Uh, the old gods are taken from various mythologies, Greek, Egyptian, Norse. Cool. And uh, the new gods are more uh, focused in areas like um, media, technology. Um, very literally, media. Uh, it's a character played by Gillian Anderson. She only appears as characters from TV and film. Like oh, one moment, nice. one moment she's Lucille Ball, another moment she's David Bowie. Literally, ha! <laughs> that's fucking nice. It's great. Um, there's another character played by um, Crispin Glover from uh, Back to the Future fame, and uh, he plays a character who is basically almost like an embodiment of globalization. Well, you know, it's like the evil corporate side of the world, um, and that's what these new gods are. They're they're kind of things rooted in modern society and um, how they are taking over the old world, and that's what the old gods obviously represent. And the the cast is fantastic. You got people like Ian McShane's in there. You've got uh, Emily Browning, Julian Anderson, like I said, Crispin Glover. Um, Ricky Whistle, he used to be in Hollyoaks and what? he's now the lead in this show he's awesome really is he? Good. I, really, I don't really, know what really good, he used to be in Hollyoaks years ago I never watched Hollyoaks really but 
when I was doing my review for the series, I looked a bit into each of the actors and particularly the ones I didn't really know. And that guy came up. He's a British actor and he used to be in Hollyoaks years ago. And yeah, he's now the lead in American Gods and he does a really good job. Um, it's awesome. Highly recommended. Um, it's your standard format streaming TV show these days. Ten episodes. Well, no, it's not ten episodes at all. It's eight episodes this first season. And it's great. Highly recommended. Really, really good. Um, it's currently on Amazon. If you've got a subscription, check it out. Stream it. You'll probably watch it all in one go. Nice. Okay. Um, are we going one for one? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Go with your first recommendation. My first recommendation is going to be Ready Player One, the actual novel. Oh yes. Okay. Not the not the film because it's not come out yet, so I can't. People tell you have all seen the good. trailer and they're losing their minds over it. So obviously, a lot of people are going to probably want to check out. You what's know all what? I knew nothing about this film. I don't know anything about it. I myself. knew nothing about the book. Apparently, it was a big deal, and uh, I was having a bit of a low period uh, recently. Um, and connected to a pod we'll be doing uh, uh, later uh, <laughs> and we'll talk about that later and um, really nicely uh, a, a wonderful uh, set of people that I know um, Ross and Joe and Zia uh, the little kid uh, decided to send me a out of the blue present to say look mate read this this is nice this will get your mind off it and don't let people make you feel bad. And I thought, man, thank you so much. I'll give it a go. And unfortunately, uh, being uh, a parent, I say for, unfortunately, I love being a dad, but it's very time consuming, as you will find out soon, Mr. Mid. <laughs> and um, yeah. and uh, and also with a full time job and everything else. So I've only been able to chip away at it so far, but I'm about 70, 80 pages in. Uh, it's a good, it's a good old book. It's a bit depressing, actually. Uh, at first, I was kind of like, "Oh, why have we got this? It's depressing." Right. It's set in the future, around twenty forty two, around that kind of time. The idea being that uh, global warming is fuck the world. The world's in a state overpopulation. People are having to go on to waiting lists to get jobs and things like McDonald's and things like that. And uh, there's one thing that is out in the world everywhere, and it's this thing called Oasis. And Oasis is essentially the internet, but souped up to the max. It's way better. So imagine World of Warcraft, like an online roleplay game, uh, or just an online game, where you can go to any world, build your own life, you can look whatever you like, uh, you know, and you can have adventures you can fight and kill people and it won't have any consequences you can meet somebody else and you can marry them and you can have a life there and you can live in this oasis people um, earn money or go to work it's basically like second life but cool um yeah okay well very very well put put it this way um when i was when i was reading it i went you know what this reminds me of i went this is how stupid i can be uh listeners so apologies uh, straight away this is how dumb I can be. I went, man, this is like Willy Wonka meets like the Matrix or something. And I was like, oh, they should have used that as the tag or something because that would have worked. I looked at the front cover of the fucking book. Willy Wonka meets the Matrix. I'm like, <laughs> what a dickhead. Um, so, yeah, basically uh, the person who created 
this oasis who's like this mega genius he dies and he leaves a video world to the world and he's he's um got the oasis stuck in a um in a kind of legal battle so it's still free to people because you can go all you need to do is buy the set and you can a lifetime subscription fee and you can go into the oasis and the lifetime subscription fee is 25 cents so like a, a quarter to, to play an old arcade game and um the thing is uh, like the when he died he didn't have any relatives or anything and he said whoever finds the easter egg because i put an easter egg in the oasis somewhere uh you will have access to everything so it's like a copper key so they will find and they'll have access and own the oasis uh, it could be anywhere and there's literally hundreds of planets they can go on like full-size planets oh. and it could be anywhere you have no idea so people are trying to mine all his 80s references to find out how to best be a, an individual and 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 find it all um but it's about one lad who is trying to find it he's down on his eye uh, like down on his luck uh, he doesn't have anything uh, but he's trying to find find the key he's like treasure hunting at the so he's like our charlie in charlie and the chocolate factory and uh, there's an evil corporation that have employed people to go hunting and if they can find the key they will own the oasis and they will privatize it and and make it evil so it's really about that so it's a really interesting story so far mm. once you get past the oh great the world is fucked and then you go yeah but this is why this is so cool the yeah. oasis is escapism it's really interesting <coughs> and if the adaptation of the film is anything to like is anything like the book it's going to be amazing yeah like uh the bit with um when you see the trailer you've got i mean you've got freddy krueger in there you've got the back to the future delorean the 18 van the monster truck van and your bloody uh, Mad Max car, Akira's light cycle, or not light cycle, but his, his bike, yeah. and all sorts of stuff. So there's a lot of pop culture references in it. Um, so yeah, I would recommend Ready Player One. It's a very, very good book so far. Um, I don't know how it ends, so it might be terrible. So forgive me if it ends up being terrible, but from what I read, brilliant stuff. I want to check it out, certainly. I, yeah, I, yeah. I saw that trailer and I was like, that looks really cool, and now people won't stop talking about the book, so... Yeah, I think I might have to read that before the film comes out. <laughs> <laughs> Good shout. <laughs> okay, yeah, uh, my second choice. Uh, my second choice is a music one. It's mm. um, the uh, sophomore solo release of Jamie Landman. It's uh, called Devolver. And, um, yeah, basically, um, it's been a while. It's been like since like, 2012, 2013. We had this first solo album, Muscle Memory, which was fantastic. <sighs> love that album it just blended so many disparate styles together and it just worked there was metal in there there was jazz in there there was folk in there it shouldn't have worked it did it was incredible and um he's come back now a new record label he's with big scary monsters uh used to be with uh, extra mile his home when he was in reuben um yeah it's taken a while to get this album out but he's um he's released uh, three tracks from it so far and uh, a release date came out recently. Um, what well, I say recently, by the time you're listening to this, it's actually very close to the release date, which is 27th of October. Um, but the three tracks he's released so far, awesome, brilliant. I mean, it's probably um, up there as amongst probably the strongest material he's ever written, and I'm very excited for it. Um, and if you uh, like good rock tunes, I'd suggest you check some of it out. 
Nice. Um, yeah, it's out via Big Scary Monsters on CD and vinyl, 27th of October. Uh, we'll probably add a little snippet of one of the songs in here now so you can have a listen to what the hell I'm talking about. Hell yeah, man. So, yeah, definitely, definitely listen to that. Ooh, so I've got to stop that up. I will say this. I'm a big uh, Faith No More Mike Patton fan. I think Jamie, and I'm going to say some big bloody words here, is uh, the UK equivalent creatively, not vocally, yeah. creatively, of Mike Patton. He, he's got his fingers in a lot of pies. I mean, he's... He's an artist He's as well. a brilliant he's artist. Do- Doctor Who fan. He used to write for Doctor Who magazine. He's Baxter, if anyone uh, listening... Used to read Doctor Who magazine. Uh, that illustrator Baxter, that is Jamie Lenman, very talented guy. Um, yeah, yeah, I can I, I can see what you're saying about him. Though. I yeah, really definitely. I, his last album was really he, good. He's 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 a very controlled person creatively. What he does, he has very definite ideas for what he wants to do. A lot of people have said that to his detriment in the past. Saying he's a little, little bit of a little Hitler and he likes having too much control over things. He can have as much control as he fucking likes if he puts out the kind of stuff that he does. Can't call the guy wrong on yeah. anything. And Love Ruben, him. great band, uh, yeah. great album, uh, no, great, album. great uh, band. Yeah, uh, great I, I think one of the one of the best bit British bands of the last twenty years, in my opinion. Ooh, <laughs> big words <laughs> from Mister Miz. <laughs> but I will say he's he's got a fair point. They are a really really good band. Um, okay, so what have I got to do to match that? So I've got to get another suggestion out there. And I'm going to go for a comic book. Because I like Mies Comics. Right. I'm going to go for Old Man Logan. Right. Now, people might be going, what's Old Man Logan? Old Man Logan was such a powerful storyline that it made Hugh Jackman go, I want to do that. Or at least kind of a version of that. He doesn't actually do that in the film, but... He kind of does his version. The film version. I think it was the best they could have done. Um, it, it, it was a version of that story that made narrative sense as a film. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, so Old Man Logan. I'm a big, big Wolverine fan. And one of the things I hated was how watered down and saturated the character has become over the last few years. And I say last few years, probably the last 20 um, one of the problems I have is I've always loved the Wolverine that was from the Frank Miller 1982 comic book limited series. I always loved the Wolverine who was hanging around Mandapore and um, the, the, the one who soul searched after the adamantium was ripped out of him by Magneto in X-Men 25 and all this kind of stuff. I, I've always loved that Wolverine and over the years he has become so oversaturated and so overpowered like at one point his healing factor brought him back from pretty much being atomized and i was like that is what no 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 don't don't do shit like that um i don't like that kind of stuff because it it devalues him as a character uh and they've come up with a very ingenious idea they recently killed off the wolverine from our universe he dies having his healing factor uh, like destroyed with nano with nanovirus, and he ends up um, pretty much drowning in adamantium. He gets covered in adamantium, and then he dies. Set isn't it as like an adamantium statue of himself. So you just know he's going to hatch out of that at some point. The the original Wolverine, he'll be fine. However, prior to that, 
uh, like he well, not prior to that, just after that, um, there was a thing called the Secret Wars, uh, a new Secret War, uh, where it was the Marvel universes, all these different universes, and there was one universe where Old Man Logan uh, lived. Old Man Logan is a Wolverine that exists in uh, an alternate timeline who grew up to be older and he's his healing factor isn't as good and he isn't as strong or as powerful but he's still Wolverine so think Clint Eastwood Unforgiven and the new series of Old Man Logan is that, that Wolverine gets sucked into our dimension and he's trying to stop that horrible future from happening where the Hulk has uh, a load of twisted cousins uh, like qu twisted kids with his cousin so like proper redneck stuff and he's trying to stop that and he's more like the wolverine i grew up with i love him i really like old man logan it's a really good story so i'd recommend that yeah. back at you number three right then number three was um it's a blu-ray release Ooh. it's a blu-ray release that a lot of our listeners will probably probably Probably, <laughs> probably already own in some way and will almost certainly have the pre-order down for it is Arrow Video's re-release of The Thing. Hell yes. Jesus Christ. Yes. Absolutely incredible. Um, it is the fastest selling pre-order that they have ever put out. It broke their site down, didn't it? It broke the site for pretty much a day and a bit, I think it was, before Fucking they hell. got it back up and running properly. I actually thought I missed out on getting a copy of it because I couldn't actually get on the site. I got home from work, went on Zavi. <laughs> Apparently no one else thought of this, and ordered a copy straight away. Yeah, they're pretty much as rare as unicorn shit now. All of the pre-orders have gone. Um, scalpers, so, scalpers, yeah, um, scumbags. What I will say about this one is, if you can find a reasonably priced copy of it, get hold of it, because it looks amazing. Um, there's two versions of it. You've got the boxed special edition, which um, 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 bleh, Arrow do so well. They're they're very very up on their presentation. It looks absolutely dogs. And you've got a lovely still book coming out, which I believe you pre-ordered, didn't you? Oh yeah, because yeah. it's the original the, the original, original artwork, artwork on the yeah. still book. Um, the special edition has newly sanctioned artwork for it, and there's like a poster in there as well. Mm. And uh, there's a bunch of uh, new features, docs, and there is a 4K transfer. I can't wait for that. The original I cannot thing. wait for that. Now, um, in America last year, uh, a similar edition got released by Screen Factory. I looked for the extras on the Screen Factory version against the Arrow release. This Arrow release looks like it's going to piss all over it. Really? It really does look amazing. Um, it comes out on the 23rd of October. Again, by the time this podcast goes out, that's probably a couple of weeks away from now. So, uh, yeah, break there. I've got to that point in the podcast where I can't speak properly anymore. I like it. Beg, steal, borrow, get yourself a copy <laughs> of The Thing via Arrow Video because it looks absolutely friggin' amazing. It does look the balls. It looks the balls. Yes. I cannot wait. So my final recommendation, dun, 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 dun. it's going to be a TV show, yeah. a TV show that's long since gone, but you can watch it on Netflix and it's got all its episodes. I'm re-going over it again and every time I re-watch it, I've re-watched this show from start to finish three times and I still love it. I think it might have something to do with the fact that I grew up going to um, rock pubs um, like the Iron Horse when I was a kid. God bless you, Dr. Rock. Um, who used to run it 
and things like that. And it's basically Sons of Anarchy. Uh, I love Sons of Anarchy. I would recommend anybody to go watch it. It's essentially a biker gang that have... Uh, it's a drama set in a small town called Charming. It's a biker gang that have decided... Uh, that they're going to sell guns and there's lots of drama and there's lots of cool stuff going on. I can't really go into it too much uh, without wrecking it, but really I will cool say, cast. very, very brilliant cool cast. cast. Yeah. All the actors are superb. And what I will say, which I absolutely love, is the fact in the second series Henry Rollins appears. Yeah, and <laughs> both Middy and I have met the Rollins, and he was awesome. And uh, Papa yeah. Hank, yeah, oh. oh, he was so cool. Awesome and guy. having yeah, just that heightens it for me. Having met him and knowing he's such a cool guy, but he plays such a scumbag in series <laughs> two, and he's just great. So if you can watch it, go watch Sons of Anarchy. Right, um, that's pretty much it from this time round. Uh, just a few more things to add. Some upcoming stuff. Um, we've got a lot of great stuff coming up in uh, future podcasts. Our very next one will be a Halloween special. Mm. where we will be covering i'm not going to reveal what it is it is a british horror classic from the 1970s i'm going to go as far as to say that much and we'll also be including our top three favorite british horror films i think that's a good idea uh following that we have upcoming uh there'll be a podcast discussing the recent doctor who casting oh god yes i want to get this so badly off my chest i'm really sorry it's all coming out of my mouth really really quickly but that's why i ended up getting ready player one i am sick to death I'm just giving... Oh, sorry, I've got to jump in. Spoilers. Right. <laughs> Spoilers, sweetie. Right. Lifelong Doctor Who fan, I am sick to death of fans hurting each other on the internet, like having a go at each other for liking it, liking the change of gender, for not liking it. And we're going to discuss it in a very intelligent, well-mannered way, but with humour. We are going to discuss this. The, the, that'll be. Uh, I think that podcast will pretty much be a special. It'll be a self-contained. It'll probably be the only topic of that podcast because I've got a feeling it'll probably be quite a long one. But that's yeah. coming up. Uh, we've also got one coming up on uh, comic book adaptations. Ooh. How well they've worked. Uh, how well they don't work. Which ones have lent better than others. And it will also probably include our top three favourites also. And then That's coming up after that, um, I think about the last update we've got so far, we'll be doing a pod featuring Paul Verhoeven's Robocop. Hell to the yes. <laughs> I cannot wait for that bad yeah. boy. We've, There's a lot of good stuff coming. We, 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 we've got a pretty healthy stacked up list of pods for you. So uh, I think it's some stuff that's going to keep you coming back. Um, just a few final things to leave you with. A few plugs. Uh, basically, we are all over social media right now. Um, you can find us on Facebook. Go into your search bar and look for 5x5. Five five. You'll find us in there. Follow us and uh, share to your friends. We're also on Twitter, www.twit.com forward slash 5x5pod. Like us, share us, get it out there. Talk to your friends, tell them about us. Uh, you can get in contact with us directly via email, 5x5pod at yahoo.com. Um, five written as in the actual word, oh, not yes, the number five. five. Not, not numerals, the letters five. So 5x5pod five five at yahoo.com. Um, we're 
basically on two uh, streaming platforms right now. You obviously know this already because you'll probably listen to us on one of them, but I'll just reiterate them. <laughs> we are available via TalkShoe, and we are available via iTunes. There will be more. There will be more coming. We're sorting that out. It will be a little bit further down the line, but there will definitely be at least one more platform that we will be available on. Um, basically, you like what you hear, tell a friend, share the social media, Leave us uh, iTunes reviews. Leave us a review on Facebook. Drop us an email. Let us know how we are doing and how we can improve this podcast for you and uh, make it a more enjoyable experience. Hopefully you're enjoying it already. Let us know. Are you enjoying it? Tell us how you're enjoying it. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And obviously any criticism that you have, aim it squarely at mid, not me. <laughs> uh, so like, no, all joking aside... Seriously, don't send me critique uh, critique of me because that will break me. No, I'm only joking. Um, so yes, uh, just very very quickly as well before I leave, I'm fully aware that we are sharing one mic between two of us, so the sound quality isn't as good as I would personally like it to be. Um, anybody that's listened to my prior podcasts, uh, Panic Stations uh, UK, that will be coming back. Uh, news at another time. Um, we'll know. Uh, that I like to do a bit more better sound quality. Unfortunately, we only have the one mic and we share it, uh, so we kind of utilise it. I will be trying to source funds at some point to buy another microphone to help out. I did buy another one, but unfortunately it decided to break before making this podcast, which sucks, so I'm really okay. sorry. So you just got to bear with us. Uh, the sound quality will get better, I promise. That is pretty much it for this week, isn't it? Um, this podcast is pretty much done. Uh, it's been a long slog through the Alien series, but they're all out there now. Um, if anything, this podcast um, covering Covenant is probably structurally what you're going to be expecting from 5x5 now on. There'll be a feature, a main focus, um, some recommendations, some chit-chat, and uh, yeah, good stuff. Hopefully it's stuff that will make you want to come back. Hell yeah! So, until next time, dear listeners, this is uh, Chris Mid saying, go to hell. Bye-bye. See ya. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.